As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And I really didn't anticipate a story. In this case, the story became the process of how difficult it was. But for the governor's office's response, we may not have had a story. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. We are investigative reporters breaking down the big stories, what it took to get them, taking you behind the scenes. It's the stuff we couldn't tell you on TV. On this episode, Denied. Governor Tony Evers' office is shielding his emails from public access. We're taking you behind the scenes of a story that got Wisconsin, and I think beyond Wisconsin, talking. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Polson here with Amanda St. Hilaire. Hello. And Jenna Sachs. Hi. So if you want to know exactly where your money is going, you need the receipts. If you want to know what your government is doing, you need the emails. So what does it mean for you when the top of the food chain, the governor's office, won't turn over those public records? This was a story that even we did not see coming. So let's start at the beginning. I have everyone in this room as my witness. Open record spot checks are a really big part of my job. Really? I confirm. <laughs> it's a regular request for emails, calendars, expense reports from state and local government. And one of the first things you did in this case, well, actually, when, when you first arrived at Fox 6, you requested two weeks of state lawmaker emails, right? I did, and I got them no problem, so I didn't expect any issues when I sent a similar public records request to the governor's office. What exactly did you want from the governor? Originally, I wanted four weeks of emails he sent and received, and I wanted the same thing from his chief of staff. Why? Having the entire body of emails lets you see how people are communicating, how often, which emails get ignored, who has influence over decisions, how those decisions are made. You really get to see the inner workings of how your government works. But the governor's office denied that request. That was the request for four weeks. So what did you do next? Well, then we narrowed the request to emails from just one week. That got denied, too. And then finally, we asked for just Governor Evers' emails from just one day. Spoiler alert, that request was denied as well. The governor's office says you can't see who he talks to, what he's up to, in one single day. So we showed the letters from the governor's office to Wisconsin Freedom of Information Council President Bill Leaders and Open Records Attorney April Barker. I don't think that is a legal interpretation of our open records law. It's part of a concerted effort, unfortunately, to come up with ways to limit public access. So what reason did the governor's office give you for denying your open records requests? Ultimately, the governor's attorney says for email requests, we need to provide search terms or phrases that can then be turned into search terms. So I want emails about the budget or with the word agriculture. Attorneys say the problem with that is it turns public records requests into a guessing game. You miss out on crucial information if you need to know what's in the emails before you actually see the emails. You don't know what you don't know, so you don't know what to ask for. And I think that's ultimately the object here. 
At this point, we knew we had a story. We had enough people, several advocacy groups, open records attorneys telling us this was a problem, especially because the governor ran partially on transparency issues. We have to find a way to make sure that transparency I just don't think that enhances transparency. Transparency. And transparency. We told the governor's office we were doing a story. We asked for a response. Our deadline passed. Evers staff still had not commented for the story. So we showed up at a press conference to ask the governor directly about his emails. Governor, you've said that you are committed to transparency. So why is your office denying our request for one day's worth of your emails? When, you know, I have no idea. No one's told you? No. Do you think the public So you're should asking be able for... One day's worth of your emails. Well, that'll be pretty pretty boring, I'll tell you. If I, if, if I do one email a day, that's an extraordinary day. So I will work on that. So you think the public should be able to see one day's worth of your emails? Yeah. It's pretty boring. I mean, I, I can't remember sending an email all week. Well, I, I want to ask, stepping back for a moment, it's very clear that government emails are public records. There's no question about that, right? Correct. Now, not every email is necessarily a public record. So, for example, there are exceptions like attorney-client privilege and certain things that fall into categories where it can't be released. So there are exceptions, but the presumption under the law is government emails are public records. Yes, and that's key. The law says that we are operating on the presumption that you can see these. That means you don't need to prove why you should be able to see them. The people withholding the records need to be able to prove why you can't see them. And it wasn't just the governor. You filed similar requests with other departments within the state, right? And you got different responses? Well, yes and no. So we filed the original request for four weeks worth of emails with several state departments. And after the governor's office responded, they kind of, they take their cues from the governor's office on how to respond to these things. And that's when they started denying my request. The Department of Veterans Affairs, I had narrowed it down to three hours worth of emails. So emails on June 14th between 9 a.m. and noon, I figured that was a pretty narrow time frame. They still said no based on that rationale that you need to provide search terms or phrases, words that can be turned into search terms. In fact, legal counsel for the uh, Department of Veterans Affairs said that providing calendars, which is kind of just accepted to be a public record, that that was a, quote, courtesy because we didn't need to ask for specific meeting dates and, and things like that. And that's been a concern of open records advocates. If you're requiring search terms for emails, does that mean when you request expense reports, you need to limit it to fuel expenses? Does that mean for calendars you need to know about specific meetings? And it really piles on to this idea that you need to know what's in the record before you actually see the record. Well, I think the question behind all of that, maybe it's the elephant in the room for a lot of people wondering, and I'm sure this is the question the governor's office staff was raising, is what are you looking for here? Why are you looking for four weeks of emails? What are you hoping to find? And that I think the misconception when we file a request is that we have a story, we know we're doing a story, and we're going to get these records for this story. That you're looking for something specific. Exactly. And because the presumption is that we can see these records, A, you don't need a reason. B, they're not allowed to force you to provide a reason for your request. But see, as a journalist, a lot of times I don't go in with a specific story in mind because 
our stories change. And if I go in thinking, oh, these records are going to say this, and then they say something different, now I'm kind of compromised in that sense because I'm in a position where would I be forcing a story to go in a particular way? So when I do these spot checks, I'm just looking to see what's there. And then sometimes there's a story, often there's not, and that's okay. But I also want to see how the agency responds. So in this case, it took a long time to go through state lawmaker emails. And when I was done with that, the next logical step was, well, what about the governor's office? And I really didn't anticipate a story. In this case, the story became the process of how difficult it was. But for the governor's office's response, we may not have had a story in this case. I'd like to talk about that a little bit more because the governor's office said it's a drain on taxpayer time, dollars, staff, resources to go through these types of open records requests. What's your thoughts on that? Well, when we spoke with April Barker, open records attorney that we regularly speak to for this store, for these kinds of stories, and with the Wisconsin Freedom of Information Council, they outright dismissed that argument. Because the law says that open records requests are a routine part of your job responsibilities. So, you know, if your boss goes to you and says, hey, Jenna and Brian, I need you to do this really routine part of your job, your response isn't, well, that's a big drain on our resources. No, it's, it's a part of your job. You're expected to do that. And that's the idea of the law. Furthermore, April Barker argued that the governor's office wasted time and resources in this case because in the time and effort they spent denying the requests, they probably could have just gathered the emails and turned them over. It is true, though, that if you ask, say, I want every email the governor's ever sent or received, that would be denied and that would be a legal denial because there is a point at which a request is too broad and too burdensome. We don't want our government officials to spend all of their time making copies and redacting and going through things because it might literally be all they could do. It might so be. So how do you determine what's too much? And that's the question. And that's something that's appeared for the courts before, and they've answered it here and there, but not necessarily related to emails. So that's why we were willing to keep narrowing down the time frame because the reality is I'm sure the governor receives a lot of emails, Every day. So that original request, they came back and said, hey, if you want four weeks of the governor's emails and his chief of staff, that's going to be more than 10,000 pages. And I I believe that. So that's why we said, okay, one week, okay, one day. Now they came back and said that one day of just the governor's emails, that's now 3,000 pages. So the math doesn't really seem to add up there. And I would be interested in seeing how they made that calculation. But I think it stands out too, because when you talk to him, he said, I might send one email a day. It'd be pretty boring. His staff is saying, oh, there's 3,000 emails. It's not boring. It's too much. Right. So which is it? Well, and I'm sure he receives far more than he sends, but that is an interesting question. What's the disparity here? Now, after our conversation with the governor, I was under the impression, great, his office is going to finally release those emails because he said, we'll work on it. I think the public should be able to see this. Immediately after, his deputy... Immediately after his deputy chief of staff, Melissa Baldoff, uh, I turned around. She was standing right behind me and asked her, so when can we expect to receive these emails? And she said that our questioning was in poor form. And she said that 
she did not anticipate that they were going to be releasing those emails. She said the governor had not had time to review the law. I followed up with an email to her and to the governor's legal counsel just to confirm, hey, are we going to get these emails? And they said, no, we are not releasing the emails. So they reaffirmed the denial, even though the governor himself said he had no problem with releasing one day's worth of his emails. I've also had that experience where after a press conference, an official will say something to me like, that was in poor form. You should never have asked those questions. But in that scenario, you're allowed to go to these press conferences and ask public officials questions on a wide range of topics. Don't you think they should expect that on some level? Well, and not only are you allowed, that's part of our job. And especially when you know, here's the deadline to respond, you don't respond, and then here's this public appearance. I walked in, made no bones about the fact that I was there to ask off-topic questions. I even asked when the best time to do that was. And that's a very common thing for journalists to do, especially Mm -hmm. for someone like the governor, who they can't set up individual interviews for everything. Absolutely. And at this point, the governor's office knew I was doing a story. I told them I was doing a story. So there there was plenty of time to brief the governor that someone was going to do a story about his office not releasing his emails. For whatever reason, his staff chose to not do that. That was their choice. But then it's my not only right but responsibility to ask those questions about why and to give him a chance to respond to a story that his name is going to be all over. I'm also interested in the public response to your story. I heard them talking about this on talk radio locally. So there was buzz generated by this. What have you heard the, the response really surprised me because open records, I'm a big open records nerd. I know this is a shocker. So I like to get in the weeds of the legal argument. And these stories are important, but you, you never really know how they're going to resonate with people. And I've done other stories about the legislature and open records. And, you, you know, people have comments about them and they react. But nothing like what happened here. I, I felt like every radio station I turned on was talking about Newspapers this. Newspapers all over the state News, were covering oh, this. And there have been several editorials since then about this, urging the governor to release his emails, social media, phone calls, you name it. Now, I thought it was interesting. Wisconsin GOP sent out a press release about this whole thing with the story and saying how terrible it was that the governor's office wasn't releasing emails, but I haven't heard from them about how they feel about some other open records issues we've covered with the legislature. So I I love when people have a strong response to a story we do. I wish there would be the same amount of attention on some other really important open records issues. Unfortunately, whenever you're dealing with politics, I think there's a tendency to jump on something if the other party is perceived as doing something wrong. And open records issues really aren't supposed to be partisan. That's the beauty of them. That's why I love them. So I'd like for to see people take an active interest in some of these other open record stories that I, we do. I want to go back to the reason they denied you and the reasons they've given, because it seems to me the methodical way you went about this sort of backed the governor's staff into a corner. Because originally you made the request for four weeks of emails and they said that's thousands of emails and we couldn't possibly do that. Just give us some search terms. That'll help us identify it. And you said, well, no, not search terms. I don't know what I want to search for. How about we do the, the you know, narrow it down next to three weeks? One I'm, week. I'm sorry, one yeah. week. And then, and then you narrow it down to one day. They had to stick with their argument because if even if you get to one day and that was only 
a hundred emails. Yeah, and and three hours manageable. with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Their argument has been, no, you need to give us search terms. So you could ask for five minutes of emails. And the only way they could give that to you is to change their argument. Well, and it comes down to, and I'm going to get into a little wonky interpretation of the law. So executive producer Leanne, feel free to cut this if it's This is the difference between and and or, isn't it? Yes. It comes down to, and you know... You know it's bad when the lawyers are saying there's too much lawyering here, right? Which is what happened to the open records attorneys I talked to. They said this is the the legal gymnastics on this. Uh, th- they were not impressed. It's kind of the Bill Clinton what the definition of is is. Exactly. So the law says that essentially your request is not reasonably specific if there's no reasonable limitation on subject matter or time. And the law uses the word or. Subject matter or time yes. frame. So the open records attorneys I've spoken with, they say, look, that means you can have a limited time or limited subject matter. The governor's office has interpreted that as you need both subject matter and time. So when you limited your time frame down to one day, they're saying that's not enough. You also need to limit the subject matter. Correct. Now, you know, there's case law that says that just because a request produces a large volume of records, that doesn't mean that the request is overly burdensome or not specific enough. There's case law in which, you know, people requested Records, and you could argue that a subject matter is not just a search term. The governor's office has interpreted the law to say, quote, subject matter means a specific search term. I've heard people argue that just the fact that you're at the emails themselves are subject matter. There's a whole bunch of legal stuff back and forth. But the bottom line is that the Wisconsin Freedom of Information Council president, Bill Leaders, says he does not believe that this is a legal interpretation of the open records law. The law is supposed to be interpreted in all cases to give the most access, and he believes the governor's office is deliberately interpreting it to give the most limited amount of access. The staff is making legal arguments, but he's a political animal. Any governor is a politician. And when you ask a question, hey, should we be able to see a day's worth of your emails, politically, The easy answer is, well, of course you should. And that's what he said, because that's the obvious natural answer. Well, of course you should. But then there's this legal entanglement, legal argument going on. In the end, whatever the law says, the question is, how transparent is your government? And I want to make something clear because – and we've linked to these letters in our story about this issue. The governor's office several times, Aaron Dealey, the legal counsel, said the law requires subject matter. It's almost phrased in a way like we can't release this to you. We want to, but we can't. The law, the open records law does not prevent you from releasing any document. The open records law gives you some exceptions in which you can withhold records, but the open records law does not say you can't release this if you don't have this. You always, uh, when it comes to these documents, school districts, they have certain legal restrictions from what they can release. But in terms of the governor's office, they can always release a record. That is your choice. The question is whether you're going to make the choice to take an interpretation of the law that would allow you to withhold it. And if you are taking that interpretation, that's where the public has a right to say, well, wait a minute. Why are you pumping the brakes on this? Why are you not letting us see what you're doing? 
That would be the dinner bell, which means it is time for our dinner party question. This is a weekly segment where we answer questions we most often get asked as journalists at parties or events or whenever we're out and about. But there's a catch. We have no idea what the question is. There's several envelopes in front of us, and it's my turn to pick one at random. So we've got a new we've, fresh pile here. We have a here. whole new fresh batch of questions. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and right. some others, right, I think? Yeah. Yes. Okay, this is a long one. When you start a story, do you already have a feeling that it may end up with a follow-up or multiple follow-ups, or when that happens, is it usually a complete surprise? Hmm. I think, really, you don't ever go into any story without the thought that I'd like to have follow-ups, because that usually means there are developments, there are things, there's action. Your story isn't just a one-off it's sort of falling on deaf ears. So I think we always want there to be follow-ups. Sometimes there are, sometimes there aren't. Sometimes we're better about doing the follow-ups because we do get distracted and busy on other projects and maybe we don't keep up as well on some things. I think that over the years from what I've heard from viewers is the thing they want more than anything is whatever happened to X, you know, give us the follow-up. So I think we all, at least I do, I was into these stories with the idea that I want there to be more. I think it's more common for me in a way because I'm always in pursuit of resolutions through these contact six reports. So if we are getting the feeling that we're not going to have a resolution by our deadline, that might happen in a month. It might happen a few days after our story airs when a construction company sees it and says, I want to help that person that I just saw on the news. So it's always good when we have a follow-up to a lot of these stories about people who ended up in really difficult circumstances because of a contractor who left them or so on. Um, but I, I'm in the middle of a story right now where I just had so much information that continues to come in that we discussed today that we're probably going to do a follow-up on it. And I have a different limitation than you guys, too, because you get a lot more time for your stories because you're in the 9 o'clock. This is Jenna's not bitter. Jenna's <laughs> limited in the 10. I can't oh. tell stories. Right. Yes. No, you are limited. Right. It's a shorter newscast, so I have uh, less minutes to work with than you guys do, so I have to be more concise about my information. And in some cases, it leads to future stories where I can update and provide more interviews and, and do more and, and, and side note, Jenna comes to me and says, hey, can you help me cut this thing down? We need to lose like 15 or 20 seconds. It's so much easier to cut someone else's story than it is your own because you're, <laughs> you're like, really oh, that stuff's not a baby for me. Cut that out of there. And right. you're like, but that's all I have. But sometimes yeah. it's nice because the, all the information seems important to me because I know the process of what we went through to get every right. detail. And I know the information that maybe I couldn't squeeze into this report and I have to wait to put into the next one. So it's nice to have someone come through and look at it and say, you know, actually, I don't think you need this part of it. I think we can do without that. And it might move the story along faster if you don't include that little tidbit. And no matter how long or short your story is, it needs to be focused. So you can have a three-minute story that's wildly unfocused, and you can have a seven-minute story that is extremely focused and seems to move faster than the three-minute story. So there's the kind of follow-up where, hey, we have this whole other angle we didn't get to explore, and let's do that. We also have the follow-up of people calling us after a story airs and saying, hey, what about this? Or you should look into this aspect. Or I experienced the same thing with this person, and I want to tell my story. Or I experienced the opposite thing with this person, and I want to tell my story. And we do those. I know, Brian, you've done a bunch of towing stories, and you had a follow-up. I've done a few. <laughs> Just a few. And you had a follow-up where someone called and said, actually, I had a great experience with this towing company because they really helped me get 
uh, people who weren't supposed to be parking in, and they were doing it in an out-of-control way and they helped me get that under control. And you interviewed that person and your follow-up added different layers and levels of nuance. And so we do it out of a sake of wanting to stay on the story, but also in several cases out of a state... Uh, also in several cases for the sake of fairness. Well, and, and I think really, as I said, the goal is often some sort of resolution or action. We don't do these stories typically just to tell you a nice story and go away. And sometimes they do. Sometimes there are one-offs. Sometimes that's because the resolution happens right away. I recently had a story about the the state DMV and, and how it was dealing with amputees who come in for license renewals. As it turned out, that story resolved itself by the night we aired the story. Um, there may still be follow-up angles to that, but it's less important that we get out and do the follow-up on what now because it resolved itself. But oftentimes, towing story is a great example where there were public meetings and there were debates in those public meetings and then those public meetings got delayed. And then ultimately there's a new ordinance that affects everyone who might park in a private parking lot in the city of Milwaukee. So be, when there are developments, you want to stay on top of it and keep people informed. And hopefully our involvement in these things shows everyone else that there's a spotlight here. So if there's a problem that needs to be solved, it should be solved or else they're going to be exposed as not resolving it. It also, we do sometimes run into an issue where we can't only do stories about one topic. One story will lead to another story will lead to another story, but we need to cover a variety of issues. So left to my own devices, I would only do stories about open records. Realistically, I can't do that. So we have to temper those follow-ups so that we don't exhaust an issue or so that we don't miss something else important that's going on in a different realm. So it, it really is a careful balance. Do you struggle, Jenna, with people who, because you end up having, well, I've already done that story, but this is still an issue and we still need to cover it, whatever it might be. I, I, how do you determine when you're going to go, okay, even though we've done that story before, we need to do it again? We we take a lot of things into consideration, you know, whether there's a trend with a certain company or whether it's just one person's experience. For example, we do think about, I just did a story about someone with a leaky roof. Do I want to do another story about a person with a leaky roof? Or did we give all the advice that we need to to someone who's in that circumstance already? And often I'll do a story and then I'll get five emails the next day from someone who says, I had the same experience with that company. Will you tell my story too? And I say, well, actually, no, because the information's out there. And unless we have something new to say, we're probably not going to do that, but I'd be happy to try to help you off air, which we do often. So you probably do more helping people off air than you ever do on the air. We do, and we're proud of that. You know, last weekend I came into work and we'd gotten a number of complaints, and I found out we had gotten people about fifteen thousand dollars back just over the wow. weekend. So that was great. And sometimes that gets reported, and sometimes it doesn't because we've already discussed that issue at length, and we don't need to do another report. It doesn't mean we won't again someday, but we're trying to space things out, so we're talking about a variety of topics. Like Amanda said, we don't want to go to the same go-tos all the time. And in your case, you're not just helping the individual. The point of the story is, hey, there's information here that everybody else should know. So when it's going out for broadcast, it's you're helping the one person, but it's also the general public Here's what you can take from this. Right. And we try to have some practical advice in a lot of our stories. Some of it you just kind of learn as you go along. Let's not do what he did. But there's always, I, I like to think, a, a grain of advice in there for, for everybody. 
Thanks for listening to Open Record. We'd also like to thank the people behind the scenes making this podcast happen, producer Pete, Dave Machuda, and Leanne Watson. If you enjoy listening, please let us know. You can leave a review in Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to check out Fox 6's other podcast, Definitely Milwaukee with Carl Deffenbaugh. If you want more Open Record, just head to our website, fox6now.com. Oh, 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 oh,